Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. You can feel the tension. Someone says something, does something, confesses something, it's wrong. They're wrong. But do we have the right to be offended? What gospel benefit comes from our being angry? Is righteous anger even possible for us? So here's the hypothesis. We're not entitled to get offended or stay angry. What if giving up your right to be offended can be one of the most freeing, healthy, simplifying, relaxing, refreshing, stress-relieving, encouraging things you could possibly do? Could it be that giving up our right to be angry over every and any offense could be our greatest witness of the power of Jesus Christ in our lives? Maybe we should talk about this? Welcome to the third Sunday of Unoffendable, giving up our right. You got to make sure that you put that in there, our right to be angry because we don't, we don't have one. And today, especially the concept of rest. And to get you into that kind of picture, I'd like to, I'd like to remind you perhaps of a movie you might have seen. I hope some of you have seen it. How many of you have seen the 2011 movie, The Help? Anybody seen it? All right, we've got a couple, all right? Abilene, near the very end of this movie, Abilene asks Miss Hilly a piercing, thoughtful question. Because all through this, this movie, Miss Hilly has been expending an immense amount of effort because she has made herself the queen of the social circle and she has to, absolutely has to, keep herself there. She has to keep herself there on her perch, looking down on everyone else, manipulating everyone else, controlling everyone else, judging everyone else, especially the help. The black people, especially the black women who work in the white people's houses, one of whom is Abilene. And as she's just working so hard at this, at keeping others down, and as, as it's finally crashing down around her at the end of the movie, as she's trying to to frame Abilene for theft. Abilene gets right here, right in her face, and says, ain't you tired? Ain't you tired, Miss Hilly? And as you can see it, you know, the, the, both the actors in that scene, just it's amazing, you can see her processing these emotions and all of these thoughts, ain't you tired? And you can see her realizing, perhaps for the first time, just how much work she had put into judging 
and lifting herself up above everyone else. When you finally put something down, when you finally stop carrying it, sometimes that's the first time you realize how heavy it really was. And if by God's grace you have put something down, that feeling of rest, that feeling of relief, that feeling of freedom, that feeling that's so invigorating like you're a new person, that is what I would love for you to have today and every day. As we look at this concept of judging, as we look at this concept of letting that go, as we look at, look at letting go of the anger that comes with judging, setting that aside, I hope you also feel, experience, keep for yourself this rest, this freedom that comes from putting that down and that you experience the invigorating life that God has always had for you. So with those thoughts, let's read our section of the Bible for today, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, while all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Jesus says, do not judge. So exactly what does that mean? And I think personally that this is one of the most popular verses in the Bible. It's one of the ones that I hear quoted more than any other. I hear it quoted by Christians in the church. I hear it quoted by people outside the church, people who are not Christians. I hear it quoted all the time. And very often, when I hear it quoted, the meaning that is attached, the idea that's given or maybe even foisted on these words, is the idea, you can't tell me what's right or wrong. You can't judge. You can't even tell me what's right or wrong, good or bad. Nope. Nope, you can't, you can't even identify it. This is not Jesus' point. And, and you can see it all over the Bible. If that was Jesus' point, he would be contradicting all kinds of the Bible. But especially right here, you can see that that's not his point. You can see it because he immediately goes into a picture where it is very obvious what is good and bad. It is very easy to identify good and bad in the picture he uses. Is it a good thing to have sawdust in your eye? No, right? I mean, it hurts. I, I, I wear contacts. I have things in my eyes all the time. And if I were to start just kind of blinking like this, and, and I, I, I've got something, I'm not, I don't. I'm faking it. And yet some of you, your eyes started to water just because I was doing that because it's just awful, right? How about a plank in your eye? Good thing? No. Obviously bad thing 
right? So Jesus' point here is not that we cannot identify what is good and bad. I mean, in fact, the Bible, that, that's one of the things God does for us in the Bible. He gives us his law. He shows us good and bad, right? And in fact, he also even shows you, you know, remove the plank from your eye, then you will help your brother to, to remove the speck. This do not judge, this must be something else. And I think we got a real good example of it just two weeks ago in the first sermon in this series, the, the outdoor service, Pastor Pete used that example, the, a quote from the book, it said, everyone's an idiot but me. You remember that, that quote, some of you who are here? Right? And he used the example uh, of something happening in traffic, and it's so easy to just go, everyone's an idiot but me. And it's so easy that I heard that sermon two weeks ago, and not much more than a week and a half later, I was driving. I was driving southbound on I-41. I was on my way to our new campus on uh, 76th and Oklahoma. I'm heading south on 41. I'm going to get off at the Oklahoma exit. And there is the scourge of the summer, construction, right? And I need to go east. I need to turn left. I cannot turn left, no left turn, barrels, barricades, not allowed, right? So I turn right and I find a safe spot, and I turn around, and I come back, and I'm coming to that, that intersection, right? That, that, that off-ramp, the one where it's no left turn, and somebody comes down that off-ramp, and he, and he kind of takes a half right, and then very, very suddenly swerves left through the barricades in front of me, ramps the curb, drives across the grass, turns around. Now, my first reaction was to immediately quote the book, everyone is an idiot but me, especially that guy, right? And then I took the next logical step, which was, who does something like that? And then I took the next logical step, which was, I would never do something like that. And my palms got sweaty and my heart rate increased, and my blood pressure went up, and I was, I was not in any danger. There was plenty of space. This was all just an emotional reaction on my part. Think about how much work I did in that split second, right? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of judgment. Judging other people, it's exhausting. Yeah, I could have just simply identified that was not smart, that was not legal, and that was not safe. And then I could have been thankful that I was in no danger, and then I could have proceeded on with my day peaceful and happy. I did none of those things, right? Instead, I did a lot of exhausting work that was no good for me or for anybody else. It's tiring. It's tiring to lever yourself up above other people so that you can judge them. It's exhausting work for a couple of reasons, right? See, because if you're really going to judge somebody, you've got to take some of those logical steps that I did. What kind of person does that? Oh, we know what kind of person does that, right? This is a rhetorical question. We take that one moment in time and then we extrapolate an entire 
personality, an entire character for this person we have never seen or met before. We create their whole mythos, right? And make sure we, we make sure that we create it down here so that we can stand above it, look down on it, and judge it. See, it's very difficult to really get a good judge in unless you create a backstory. It's a lot of work. And it's not just to, to create that backstory. See, I think sometimes we get very proud of our backstories that we create for other people, especially the ones where, where it's not just an instant, you know, you just saw this person, this just happened, but ones where, where it's somebody we know, right? And, and we've, we've watched them, we've observed. And so we don't really think that we're creating a backstory, we think that we are understanding the backstory because we know their life, we know their situation, we even know the secret motivations of their mind, right? We, we, we know. And because we know all these things, we are wise. And what do you do with wisdom? You impart it upon others. Because of course they want my advice. Of course they want my advice. And so we go to them as they stand there struggling with the speck in their eye, and we impart our pearls of wisdom on them, and they turn to us, us who have understood really none of it, and they look at us and say, how dare you judge me with that plank in your eye, with what's going on in your life, and now we're going to have a real conversation about this, and it blows up, and then we've accomplished nothing. We have thrown our pearls there, and they have turned and torn us to pieces. And so what do we learn from that situation? That we must find a new recipient for our advice. Very often we do. I'd like to read just a little quote from the book, uh, Unoffendable, for you, about this topic, about this concept, because it just puts it very well. He's talking about the idea that we don't want to, we don't want to sometimes put the effort into fixing a relationship, doing the work of a brother or a sister and, and really getting in there and saying, I love you, how can we resolve this? He says, you know what else requires a lot of energy and isn't very restful? Quitting jobs, ending relationships, moving. It's a lot of work to just take that relationship and, you know what, I don't want to put the effort in, I'm just going to trash it, I'm going to go start and create a new one. That's exhausting. It's exhausting. He says, it's tiring to have to work through difficulties with people, but for what it's worth, I've learned it's way easier than starting over. Maybe instead of jumping to that judge, Instead of, instead of having that fight, having that argument, and then going, okay, well, obviously this isn't going to work. Well, maybe come at it from a different perspective. Because it's, it's very easy. It's very easy to have what I like to call the angriest argument. 
It's where two people have done all of this work independently of each other. They have both created backstories. They've both formulated their advice. They've both worked themselves up like two big thunderclouds. And then they come together and they bring all of that hard work together and both are so intent on defending themselves and justifying themselves that it's like two thunderheads coming together. And the assumptions are like thunder and the attacks are like lightning and the self-righteousness is like a cold rain on all of it. And at the end, at the end they find nothing but aftermath and all that work just wasn't worth it. Maybe it's time to quit. Not on that relationship, not on that person. Maybe it's time to quit some other things. Time to quit judging. One more little quote. I really do encourage you, if you haven't picked up this book, it's really good. Some things to quit. Quit thinking it's up to you to police people and that God needs you to take a stand. God needs nothing. Quit trying to parent the whole world. Ooh, that one hurts as a parent. You know, I, I like my parent seat, right? I and mean, sometimes I like to you know, put that out. Everybody else, no, quit trying to parent the whole world. Quit offering advice when exactly zero people asked for it. Quit being shocked when people don't share your morality. We do live in a sinful world. We knew that already. Quit serving as judge and jury in your own mind of that person who cut you off in traffic. Quit thinking you need to discern what others' motives are and quit rehearsing in your mind what that other person did to you. It's all so exhausting. And I think one of the reasons it's so exhausting is because we know it doesn't work. And we know, deep down, that when it comes down to it, we aren't really better than those people we're judging. That picture, that thought really was, was driven home for me once when I was teaching a class very much like Following the Promise. I, I met a, a woman that I will never forget. Never. I, was, uh, I just quoted a Bible passage from James. That one about how if you keep the whole law and yet stumble at just one point, you're guilty of breaking all of it, right? And I, and I drew her a picture, and I'm going to draw it for you, and hopefully this little thing here will appear magically up there, and it'll be easier for all of you to see. But this is the, the picture that I, that I drew for her. So, now, artistic ability, prepare. This is the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and this is me, that looks like me, right? And this is you, and then we need one other person. Uh, who is the greatest athlete in the world? Giannis. Giannis. I knew it would be Giannis. We're all homers, I even wrote it into the manuscript. <laughs> so this is Giannis, but we're gonna do um, fictional Giannis. This fictional Giannis is on every performance-enhancing drug known to man, and he has never, ever skipped leg day. Okay? And our goal is to jump over the not-to-scale Grand Canyon. Right? 
And because I'm a nice guy, you get to go first. So you do pretty well. You run and you jump and you become a greasy spot on the bottom of the canyon. Now I go next. And did you see, there's this little lip on the edge of the canyon. I run and I trip over that and I bounce on the side of the canyon a few times and become a greasy spot at the bottom of the canyon. And now, Giannis, on every performance-enhancing drug known to man, which he's not on, yeah, not, and never skipped leg day, runs and makes a miraculous leap and hits the other side of the canyon right there, bounces off, becomes a greasy spot at the bottom of the canyon. I shared this picture with this young woman. And as soon as I finished the picture, she began scribbling furiously, furiously on her sheet of paper. And I turned to her and I said, share? And she said, I don't like that. I said, why? She said, because it makes me the same. It makes me the same. And I said, you are absolutely correct. That is the point you have understood. It makes it very difficult to judge someone if we recognize that we're all the same. Do greasy spots at the bottom of the canyon brag about how far they made it? Is there any pride? Is there any judgment? No. But there is something absolutely wonderful about this. Because if we are all the same, if we are all here, then God loved us here. And if God loved us here, that means that God loves us absolutely unconditionally loves us here. Let me read you something from Romans, and I'm going to fix this picture. Romans chapter 3. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. There's no difference, right? But now, Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are all the same. By the one measurement that matters, we are all exactly the same. We are all God's people. And the only way that happened is that God covered over all of our failures, all of our problems, all 
of our struggles, all of our sins, with Jesus on the cross. You are secure. You are eternally loved. You are forever God's child. Nothing will change that. There is nothing that you need to do. There is no, no level you need to reach to be acceptable to God. There is, no, there is no gotcha in his back pocket. He loves you. You are perfect in his eyes. You're free. You're absolutely free. Free from your sins, free from the burden free from having any reason to defend yourself or justify yourself or put yourself up above someone else, free to just be what God has already made you. That means that we get to be people who can comfort others without fear of discovery. When you don't have to worry about keeping this facade up so that you can look down on other people, you stop worrying about, well, I don't know if I can talk to that person because they might find out that I struggle with the same thing. We're all the same. You can be a comfort to them. You can have the courage to know that, what are they going to find out, that I'm a sinner? They knew that already. We can be what we are. We can be a church where people can be loved freely. Where somebody can walk in and know that we're not trying to figure them out. You know that song, Come As You Are, right? Beautiful song, beautiful song, but I think sometimes we... We forget or we, we get this idea that we, oh, come as you are, but you better get fixed quick. No. No, come, come as you are and be loved. Be loved by Jesus and know that nobody's trying to figure out where your broken pieces are. Nobody's trying to figure out how your family works. Nobody's trying to figure out what happened in your life that you finally figured you needed some churching up. Come and be loved by Jesus, and we'll love you, and then we'll tell you some more that Jesus loves you, and some more, and some more, and some more, and that, Jesus, is gonna, it's going to change your life. And we can be families, families that can talk about hard stuff, because we're not going to be shocked to find out that we're sinners. Kids, your parents are sinners. Parents, your kids are sinners. And that means that there are going to be some hard conversations. There may be even conversations that involve the idea that that was not smart or legal or safe. But as fully forgiven Christians, 
who know, who know that we're not any better than anybody else. We are all the same by our sins. We are all the same by the forgiveness we've been given. We don't need to do the, uh, oh, I can't believe you did that. Really? Can't believe it? Or, I never would have. Yeah, maybe think back 20 years or so. Maybe you would have. We can be families comfortable enough and knowing enough about the love of Jesus that those conversations can happen better, easier, more often, maybe even sometimes before the that wasn't smart or legal or safe. These are all the blessings we enjoy right now. Right now. You know, sometimes I think we, we Christians, we, we get kind of locked into the idea that it's all about the not yet. And there's a lot of not yet, right? There's a lot of things that are still coming. There's a lot of things that we're striving for. Yeah, I, I have not left all sins behind and become a perfect person. Has not happened. Will not happen in this life. But that is part of heaven, and so I say not yet. Have you acquired a perfect body attached to a pure soul? Not yet. Has God wiped away every tear from your eyes? Not yet. Do you see God in all of his glory. Yeah, not yet. But you are God's people already. You are unconditionally loved by your God. You are perfect in his eyes right now. You are absolutely secure. You can be at rest and know that your God defends you that your God is the one who justifies you, that you don't have to feel guilty anymore because you're not. The creator, the judge, the, the, the king of the entire universe has looked at you and said, I declare you not guilty, forgiven, at peace, at rest. Already, right now, I mean, you're... Your story doesn't even have an end. Not even death will take you from your Jesus. You are his. You are his people. Living for him. Living in freedom and joy. Ain't that life? Ain't that invigorating? Ain't you alive? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have set me free. You have set every person in this room free. Every person worshiping with us online, you have set free. You have set free, released the chains of every person in this world because you died for us all. We are forgiven, securely and eternally loved because of you and by you.
Give us peace. Give us rest. Help us to put down the heavy burdens of our self-inflicted sins of judging others. Help us to see in others not people somehow less than us, but people who are just like us. People we have the great opportunity to love and serve and help. Give us joy in that. Give us rest in that. The rest of getting to be what we already are. We give you praise, Jesus. Amen. Please stand for prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.